Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed protector of the universe, bonded to the energy-transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station. He fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil. Stanley presents Quasar! Greetings, and welcome back to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. I am Gene Hendricks, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is my friend for more years than I care to admit, Mr. Jeff Fishman. How are you, buddy? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> all right, we have a uh, very interesting comic for you today, which actually ties in with something not only overarching over the whole Marvel line, but also with the Avengers title. But before we get to that, we actually have what we will call a Stellargram. Do we really have people that write into this stupid podcast? Well, we have at least one guy. <laughs> is it Zeb? Is it Zeb? No, no. This is from Jason Trenner, also known as Fanboyamus Prime. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> what does he want? Okay. He writes, hey, guys, as always, loved the episode. Well, of course. Funny thing is, I do remember Quantum. Then again, Avengers West Coast 97 was the second issue of that series I got when I was starting out as a comics reader. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> so, Fanboyamus Prime yep. remembers West Coast Avengers number 97. And what is funny to me about that is I also remember the West Coast title. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the non-flagship comics of the Marvel Universe, I'm going to assume that Fanboy of Us Prime got laid even less than you and I did. <laughs> oh, man. Because he remembers it by name. <laughs> not Spider-Man number 300. You know, it's not the Infinity Gauntlet. It's West Coast Avengers 97. Well, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he looked it up online before writing the email. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, I'm not going to apologize or interrupt. <laughs> I, I'm going to do it again, but uh, I, I recognize that it's inappropriate. Okay. Uh, he goes on, and issue 98 was the first one I got of the series, and as I've said on other podcasts, I got into the comics in the early 90s with the X titles. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And still... <laughs> Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and still am a comics reader to this day. Congratulations, uh, sir. I am still not sure what that says about me. Well, yeah. I think we've, that. <laughs> we've covered that. Yeah. <laughs> For Aquarian, his origin is basically if Jorel was wrong and in the destruction of his home planet being doomed and sent his son off into space and got shot dead for saying things that could cause a panic. Well, you remember they're Germans. <laughs> Good point, yes. That's right. They're, they're Germans, and... Uh, you will not cause a panic? <laughs> That's right. Oh, uh. I have so many funny things I want to say, but are completely inappropriate. Even so much that I won't say them. So, <laughs> this is not the podcast for inappropriate. Well, right. not really. Anyway. That's comic book fight. <laughs> uh, Jason um, goes on. Mm. Really like the use of actual science and how quantum was stopped. Rather mm -hmm. amusingly unique. And yeah, that's one of the things that we like about quasars. They actually have, it's it's not super accurate science, 
but it's comic book science. It's a lot better than Stan Lee's grasp on magnetism. So back to Jason's mm. email. He says, yeah, I didn't have much to say on the issue, but I can rant about the Starbrand character in Hickman's run and how much it annoys me that not one mention of Quasar was made, as in this comic you will encounter the new universe and the mm -hmm. Starbrand, which we'll see much later. And that was a lot. really good run. Oh, yes, yes. Because that's at the point where he had lost his quantum bands for mm -hmm. a while. So he, he, had, he was using the Star brand to uh, stay as Quasar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and given the energy was too much for the Marvel Universe, that the Living Tribunal make, make sure it never can show up in the 616-verse would be something Quasar wrote in an Avengers history log and a reading of that energy for them to know what it, what, what it is. They know how freaking big a deal someone having that energy mm -hmm. was. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not up on the last year or two worth of Marvel Comics. I had to take a little bit of hiatus. But I believe the Star Brand came back to the Marvel Universe, and there's a whole storyline around that. But I, I, I haven't read it to find out what's, uh, what's what. Well, the, the last... The most recent... Marvel Comics I read was the Fear Itself crossover, so I'm way out of <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're starting over from the beginning of time again. Yep. You're starting from, like, what, 1962? Yeah, I'm just about to get to Avengers number seven <laughs> nice. in the reading order. So it's, But I got to say, it's amazing seeing the connections mm -hmm. between everything because of the way, the way it was working, because Stan was basically writing everything. Mm -hmm. So you see all these little bits and pieces. So now I, anytime there's an editor's note saying, oh, this happened in such and such, I've already <laughs> read it. <laughs> and That's it's awesome. cool. That's really great. Anyway, <laughs> back to Jason's email. Uh, clearly, someone at Marvel needs to read this book, meaning Quasar. A book I, I found a boatload of issues in the cheap bins over a decade ago. I think I need to get burned out aliens second appearance in Quasar out of back issue. <laughs> burned alien. That is such a great comic. <laughs> anyway, look forward to Quasar versus Absorbing Man. And speaking of crossovers, it does make me wonder exactly how you will cover Operation Galactic Storm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me wonder how we're going to yeah, do that. Yeah, when we get too. to that in, you know, 2025, because how long it takes to the podcast. With just the Quasar issues and a recap of what happened in the other issues, or what mm -hmm. exactly? Yeah, I. that's one, because Quasar is such a big part of the other issues, we may have to go into more detail, but that's a conversation for another Well, time. we could do a special series of podcasts that's just Operation Galactic Storm. Like, we might be able to tackle, you know, two or three at a time. Right, yeah. And... Currently, those are the only, except for number one, those are the only issues of Quasar available on uh, Marvel right. Limited. And, of course, that's where Wonder Man dies for, like, the eighth time. He still doesn't get <laughs> Quasar's record for being killed, but uh, Wonder Man certainly dies enough. Yeah, I mean, hell, he died in his first Great. appearance. I have that. I have that. Oh, oh yes, mm -hmm. I forgot you had mm -hmm. that. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, enough Maurice Chevalier. Uh, back to okay. Jason's email. Also, I do wonder how you will mesh what Moondragon does in this comic later with her hitting on Philavel in Peter David's Captain Marvel book. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah. Wait, I, I've, no, I've read all those. I realized that Philavel and Moondragon were an item. But how does yeah. that mesh with this particular issue? 
Not this particular okay. issue, this particular series, because we do have that coming up later on. I think that is around... I think that's around the same time as, as the Star Brand. So it's it's a little ways in the future, but it does come right. up Right. All right. I, 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 I didn't quite follow what he was getting at. Yes. So he concludes with so long and thanks for all the fish. Nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> and 42, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the only email we have this time. Thank you very much for writing in, Jason. If you want to be as cool as Jason is, you can write us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. So, as we mentioned earlier, this issue of Quasar is part of the Axe of Vengeance crossover. Now, my memory of this time period is not 100%. You know, my warranty's going to run out mm-hmm. at the end of this year, so the brain's starting to go. Uh, but if, if memory serves, Axe of Vengeance was one of their big deal crossovers through all the ongoing titles. It, it's, it wasn't like Secret Wars. Because Secret Wars was its own Correct. thing. Yes, it had a couple of repercussions down the line, but it was just, oh, it happened over here. Correct. Acts of Vengeance is actually going through all these different titles, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it had its own miniseries. My memory is this, is that it did not have its own miniseries. It was a crossover in the standard continuity of the books. It's one of the first times that I've ever seen a product-wide crossover. So all the books, not just, okay, you know, this started in X-Men and is continued in Uncanny X-Men. This is the entire Marvel Universe participated in this. And sometimes it was really cool and a really neat thing. Other times, like this Quasar issue, it feels very shoehorned in. Um, And then before that, you would have things like um, that were crossovers, but only in the annuals, like the the Serpent Society, the the, um, Atlantis Attacks, or the Serpent Society, or something like that, where it wasn't in the standard continuity. It was still a crossover, but it happened in the annuals, so it wouldn't wreck whatever storylines that were happening. And in my memory, and if you, if you know somebody out there remembers it differently or has uh, documentation, otherwise I want to hear about it. But Acts of Vengeance, I believe, was the first time that they actually did that in the standard continuity. Yeah, I, I, I believe you're correct. And I was just looking up online, you know, the source of all 100% true knowledge, mm-hmm. Wikipedia. And no, it did not have its own issues. Uh, like you would have, um, for example, one of one of my favorite crossovers is actually the DC Legends crossover. Okay. And that was very, very well done, mainly headed by John Byrne, and included Darkseid and New Gods and everything, and really, really well done. But it had its a six-issue series that, if you read that six-issue series, you were fine. You knew what was going on, but it crossed over into all these books. This one, you had to read... Uh, let me back off that statement. You didn't have to read everything, but there was no overarching series for you to go, oh, let me take that and read it. This was... You would get little snippets in each each of the corresponding issues of what was going on, but there was no, here, read this you know, uh, Infinity Gauntlet series, and you'll know what's going on, even if you don't read the crossovers. Right. And 
it was quite daring, really, because this was the first time Marvel forced you to buy more than the titles that you normally would. And because of the era of comics, you still knew what was going on because you still had the, oh, I will explain myself as I am talking to nobody. <laughs> right, right, text. right. You know, <laughs> like a, a text bubble larger than the character in the frame talking about, well, I'm going to go over to the door and I'm going to turn the doorknob and open it slightly and look through as he's saying it out loud. <laughs> as he's doing it it's i mean i loved it but now that i'm older and uh you know i can see that there's other ways of writing a comic man that is tedious <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the basic idea is the a uh mysterious stranger also known as loki mm -hmm. god of evil has brought all these major supervillain masterminds together Magneto, the Red Skull, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, etc., 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 and also all these ancillary villains. And he has basically convinced each one of the masterminds that he is their servant and he is implementing their plan that he has suggested mm -hmm. to them. But he, the basic idea is that you are getting villains fighting heroes that they never fought before, which it's one of those things where. Why didn't they think of it themselves? Really? You know, and it it's actually in the Quasar issue, and we'll cover it when we get there. But <laughs> Loki, he's dressed in a white suit, so you, you can't really tell it's Loki. But you, he's talking to the Absorbing Man, and he basically says, Okay, uh, listen, bub. You're going to go try and fight the guy that just beat your ass. How about you go try somebody new? You know, maybe somebody that you would beat this time. <laughs> right. And like you said, it's one of the first times that you would see that. And you think these people all live in the same world, and often they all live in the same city. So, right. you know, why wouldn't the Vulture, a Spider-Man villain, all, you know, come up against the Fantastic Four from time to time? I mean, okay, out of his weight class, I get it. But, you know, you don't think that Johnny Storm is flying home from a date and sees the Vulture and is not going to, you know, run off half-cocked and try to stop him, but it always happens to be Spider-Man, and and even to a greater extent, the X-Men. I don't know why the X-Men and the um, uh, the Avengers uh, stable of heroes never really crossed over. I mean, the only time you really saw a crossover was Count Nefaria, who uh, I believe started off as a uh, X-Men villain and then ended up uh, getting um, powers much like Wonder Man's and uh, became an Avengers villain as well. But generally speaking, you did not see too much of a crossover of villains. I, I guess the other obvious example is Magneto. Uh, but you follow what I'm saying is that uh, you're all in the same world. Why wouldn't you have Crusher Creel all of a sudden popping up in the X, uh, you know, against the X Men at some point for some reason? Right. Yeah. It's now they did do that kind of early on before things like gelled yeah. because I I don't remember the exact issue number and Dave Weeder's about to smack me because I don't remember it, but Electro ended up in one of the early issues of Daredevil. Mm -hmm. And he was the villain mm -hmm. in that. And then you would have, you know, certain things like, oh, you know, Spider-Man appears courtesy of Spider-Man Comics. Well, you're the same company. It's not courtesy of Spider-Man Comics. Stan Lee decided, oh, I'm going to write Spider-Man in here. <laughs> Stuff mm -hmm. like that. 
but yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's almost like the the villains have tunnel vision, and I I think one of the best explanations of how some of them think was on recent episodes of the Flash TV series. Now, have you been watching that? Oh all? yeah, I love it. It's it's a great yeah, series. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Captain Cold mm -hmm. basically saying, the Flash told him, listen, I'm here, you're not going to be able to do anything, just leave. And Captain Cold said, no, 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 this is my city. I like my city. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't care if there's a superhero here, it's my city. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that that trans, you know, change city to superhero, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's that's my superhero, so I'm always going to go up against him. It's yeah. You know, it I understand why because you know you have these Spider-Man villains, you have the Avengers villains, you have, you have all these. Typically, that's what the writers go to. It's oh, here's the list of villains. That one hasn't appeared in a while. Let me use him. Mm -hmm. But in a real-world scenario, you would have all these people trying to just do whatever. And in in New York City, which is home base for ninety percent of the superheroes in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to run, run across somebody that they haven't fought yet. It's true. But I think we're stuck in a rut here because we keep saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why don't we uh, take a break, clear our heads, and we'll come back with the overview of Quasar number five. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice, blind justice, a guardian devil. <laughs> <clears throat> no. No, no, that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's it's my Daredevil, you get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? Oh, hello. We didn't see you there. Welcome to Comic Book Fight Club. My name is Jif S. Fishman, Esquire. And I am Gene Theodore Hendricks. Here at Comic Book Fight Club, we sit fireside, sipping our brandy, and discussing who would win in a bout of fisticuffs with other members of the comic book Illuminati. Yes, you caught us at a good time as Kevin Smith, Stan Lee, and the late Bob Kane just went on a beer and nacho run. Have you ever wondered who would be victorious in a bout? Galactus or Unicron? How about the Incredible Hulk versus the Monster Doomsday? What about G.I. Joe versus the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or the equally important bout of the Snorks? versus the Smurfs, and of course the Titanic duel between Archie and Jimmy Olsen. And you can expect the intelligent and erudite debates to sound something like this. But I always thought Transformers fans were intelligent and literate, so they should see that Galactus has to be the winner. Like, he's hungry. 
Oh, I'm so <laughs> hungry. I'm going to get weaker and, 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 and Reed Richards is going to be able to beat me. I don't know if I need to go out Rob other than uh, he was defeated by Parker Brothers. Oh, it's, I mean, back, to, back to one of Sean's points, saying he got out of the, out of the Silac. You know, every time he's gotten out of that in any story, he has to get put back in it because he's a bitch. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, ah, ah, ah. No! No! She, oh, I tap she, out! I tap out! You are a sick, out. sick man. I'm not familiar with the last one. I need. I might um, have to hit Google Image Search here. So won't you join us for some witty discourse, a fine snuff, and a tincture of sherry as we debate over these all-important matters here only on Comic Book Fight Club. You can find the show at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes by searching for Comic Book Fight Club. Please also join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash comicbookfightclub. secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. Available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! And we are back. Now, in the proud history of the show, we are going to tangent yet again. And I'm going to tell you a story before I tell you a story. <laughs> Quasar number five. Now, this, this is a very interesting reading order, because I discovered this when I went to review the, this issue. Quasar number five begins with a, hang on, read Avengers number 311. Okay, so I just happen to have Avengers number 311, so I pulled that out, and that starts with, this, this story follows immediately after the events of Quasar number 4. So, all this stuff, these three issues basically happen in, like, a uh, within a day of everything. So, in Quasar number 4, Quasar was off on the West Coast with um, the hippie. Right. Korean. So, after that, he flies home. Well, as he flies home, instead of going to his dad's house, 
he ends up going to Hydro Base. Now, Hydro Base, or Avengers Island, was an artificial island anchored off of New York City. Actually, if you look at the picture, it's anchored kind of uh, southeast of the Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty, which means it's in New Jersey waters. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and even though the cover shows all the current Avengers, really the, the only Avenger in here is Quasar. And you have the Acts of Vengeance stuff that's going on, and Mandarin and Doom, even though they're they're in shadow, you can tell who they are. I don't know why they bothered shading them out, but Doctor Doom basically says, oh yeah, the Avengers are being handled, and there's a huge amount of robots that are attacking Avengers Island. So Quasar and the staff of Avengers Island go out to deal with it, and... It basically ends up that they blow the hell out of Avengers Island and sink it. Because it's just essentially a huge raft. So they poke holes in all the flotation tubes, they blow up the Quinjet fuel dump, and Avengers Island goes completely down. Uh, Quasar saves everybody, but there is no more Avengers Island. Now, part of that is when uh, the Avengers moved on there, they took the mansion with them. The, the entire mansion was transplanted. This is the uh, uh, the Mariah Stark mansion, correct? Correct. Yes, this is Tony Stark's original Avengers meeting place. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also his family home. Right. So, now, as everybody knows, Avengers Mansion had many sub-levels that was, you know, down underground. Well, they didn't take the sublevels, obviously. They took the physical mansion itself and moved it to Avengers Island and turned what was the mansion into a park. And the sublevels are still there, and that was an auxiliary, auxiliary base. Do you remember for why the they chose to do this? I mean, there must have been some sort of explanation. I do not. I do not. I don't have the the comics available physically. I'm sure I could look it up on Marvel Unlimited. But I I remember when I was starting to read the Avengers regularly, they had already done this mm-hmm. split. So I don't remember what the reasoning behind it was. Uh, other than I do know that in previous issues of the Avengers, they moved Hydra Base back to New York. It was actually further south, I think. Because there's one issue where the, Thor is actually towing the island. Mm-hmm back to new york so i don't remember what was going on uh if they decided that they needed to split up again or what was happening but i do know that just before this issue captain america who had become chairman of the avengers again had basically said well we're done we're not doing east coast team west coast team we're doing the Mm -hmm. avengers you can be based wherever you're still part of the Avengers. So they actually make mention of that at one point. Um, I believe, it was, what was I reading, like Avengers 306 or something? Okay. Like, oh, thank you, West Coast guys. And no, 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 we're not West Coast anymore. We're all Avengers, mm-hmm. remember? But, yeah, I, I don't know why, but uh, suffice to say that the mansion basically is mm. trashed. So, but you know, it's it's that, Avengers Mansion gets trashed once a week. The Xavier School gets trashed once a week. 
the Four Freedoms Plaza or the Baxter Building gets trashed once a week. It's uh, it's all part and parcel of being a superhero in the Marvel Universe. Yes, but in this case, this leads to the new Avengers Mansion being built, which those of you with the Marvel Superheroes Avengers uh, role-playing game supplement know what that looks like. It's the big glass and steel structure. Oh, yes. <laughs> but... That sets the stage for Quasar number five. And now, now that you've been patiently listening to us ramble on for mm -hmm. so long, we will finally get into the actual point of this episode. <laughs> so we have Quasar number five, which is cover dated mid-December 1989. It was on sale October 10th, 1989, thanks to Mike's Amazing World's World of Comics for that information. Pencils by Paul Ryan, inks by Danny Bolinati, letters Janice Chiang, colors Paul Becton, editor Howard Mackey, and editor-in-chief Tom DeFalco. Mm. On the cover, we have a giant absorbing man who is colored black and covered in glowing jewels, smacking Quasar with his ball and chain. The cover copy reads, Acts of Vengeance, the absorbing man goes cosmic. <sighs> So what do we think of this? Uh, I got to tell you, it, again, it feels like it's shoehorned into the continuity. But I remember as a child, so what was this, 89, you just said? This this was 89, so you were 14. You were 14 I was so 14. I was 14, and it blew my mind at the time. You know, as an adult, it feels shoehorned in. But, you know, I'm th I saw it, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, the quantum bands are, you know, some of the most powerful weapons in the universe and now the absorbing man is completely made out of that material holy shit snacks is what i was thinking yeah. at the time a little bit of a spoiler uh, spoiler alert grossly disappointed <laughs> however looking at the you know in the comic book shop i see this cover and i get giddy and i had to buy it yeah this is one of those covers that you see it on the shelf it's like oh I need to read this Correct. story. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay, so on the inside, we have the title of the episode, The Absorption Principle. We open to find Quasar and Stingray <laughs> on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I'm going to stop you right now. Just, to, <laughs> I just figured to give that. you guys an idea out there how old this comic is. There's a couple of things. Firstly, um, the inside cover advertisement is for ah, Castlevania yes. II, Simon's Quest. A nice, I love that game. <laughs> a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to die there. Uh, somebody else in the network did a um, did a podcast on this recently, didn't they? No, that was uh, that was me. Oh, being cheeky. you being cheeky? <laughs> well, I, I because I was going through the comic, and I what I do when I make the episode image is I just scan the cover of the comic mm -hmm. I have, and I was reading. I was like, well, that's a full page ad. I love mm -hmm. that game. Mm -hmm. There are a couple guys on the network that do a video game podcast. Let me scan in and post it to their right. group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, there's that. And the other thing that I really want to make mention of, and this brought back a lot of memories for me, because I opened this up and it's the old newsprint, you know, the kind that you could put yes. your silly putty on and take an impression of the, uh, of the comic. And uh, it has that real acrid smell to it. I mean, it like punches you right in the face the first time you open it. Um, and for you younger guys who never read a comic book when it was still in this format, it kind of smells like 
pies. You know when you're decorating an Easter egg? Ha! Right? Doesn't it smell just like that? Vinegar? Yeah, I never I never put it together, that but yes. Vinegary yes, pies smell. So it brings back a lot of memories. And um, of course, our friend Quasar is hanging out with Stingray. And when you are a D list superhero, if you want to feel cool, you hang out with an F lister like Stingray. <laughs> okay. Those of you that don't know, Stingray is a part-time superhero. His main occupation is he's an oceanographer. And he created the Stingray suit to be a better oceanographer. So he went to Stockton State and hung out with all the other ditzy chicks that uh, wanted to study, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be an oceanographer. I want to be an environmental scientist. Uh, uh. God damn you, Stingray. I hate you. I hate you almost as much as I hate Batman. God damn it. All right, go ahead. That's all okay. I wanted to make mention of. Right. They're cleaning up the remains of Avengers Island, which, as we said, was destroyed eight hours ago in Avengers number 311. The two have been bringing up mo the most important pieces all night and placing them on a hired garbage scow. Quasar asks Avengers security chief Michael O'Brien whether Captain America has gotten hold of any other members, to which O'Brien replies that a few reservists are on their way. After they do one last check in the mansion, Stingray and Quasar decide to call it a night. Quasar is sad that the original Avengers headquarters now lies wrecked underwater, but he cuts that short so that he can get some sleep before he has to go to mm -hmm. work. Meanwhile... Downstream of the Hoover Dam, Crusher Creel, the Absorbing Man, reconstitutes himself out of the water. Turns out he was defeated by the Gray Hulk back in Incredible Hulk number 348, cover date October 1988. So, a real-time year ago. Probably like a couple days Marvel time, sliding times. Correct, correct. Set. And, again, Hoover Dam, that's outside of Vegas, everybody, so almost on the other side of the country. Right. Creel is about to try and find the Hulk again for a rematch when he's approached by a man in a white suit. <coughs> right, right. Now, for you guys into newer comics, white suit, white fedora kind of looks the way Dr. Nemesis from the X-Books dresses. I'll take your word for that. That's what I do. If I could make money by reading comic books and eating ice cream, that's what I do for a living. I cannot, so this is my hobby. <laughs> Uh, this man suggests that Creel try someone he's never fought before rather than keep fighting the heroes that have constantly beat him. He then gives Creel's ball and chain the ability to fly, just like Thor's hammer, before he disappears. Ooh. Hmm. And Creel finds this out by accident, basically. He swings his hammer and it kind of drags him into the sky. <laughs> but... <sighs> uh, comedy gold. Yeah, it is comedy gold. I mean, again, this Quasar book is still finding its footing. All of the issues tend to be one shots. You know, we don't have, a, you know, a, a nice story arc yet. And, of course, the uh, the writers of this are like, ugh, fucking Marvel's doing this crossover. We better find something to do. How are we going to shoehorn <laughs> this in there? All right. What is the Marvel whooping bo uh, whipping boy that is powerful enough to give Quasar a run for his money? Okay. Well, let's see. Who can we use? Who who is the who is the token Marvel bitch? Doctor <laughs> Creel, the absorbing man who fights everybody and always loses. But luckily, they find a way to make it relatively interesting, and we'll get to that. 
Right. The next day, just before noon, Quasar flies into an alley where he keeps a high-tech locker with civilian clothes. He takes his time changing in this alley and thinks that he needs to take his suits to the dry cleaners, as well as lamenting the fact that he has no clients, even though he's been able to afford several months' rent. Right, which we've covered in other issues, but (laughs) fucking... So he's being all bitchy about... about uh, not uh, having any clients, and, oh, I sent out 500 pieces of direct mail. Well, whoopty shit. <laughs> whoopty shit, Wendell. All right, come on. I have a business that shall remain nameless <clears throat> on this podcast. I will send out a good 6,000 pieces on a monthly basis, and it costs me $3,500. You know what? You can't take a shit in Manhattan real estate for your office space for $3,500. So all you sent out was 500 lousy pieces. No wonder you're not getting a response. And by the way, Wendell, in this back alley, you have what looks like a very conspicuous versus inconspicuous <laughs> locker that is has an electric lock on it that registers your thumbprint. Where the fuck did you get the money for that? <laughs> now... Okay, money issues yeah. aside, we agree that the money issues yeah. are weird. Okay, you're getting changed into your secret identity in a alley where anyone could walk by, and you're sitting there taking your taking enough time to fold your cape. <laughs> fold your cape, put it in a suitcase, stick the suitcase into an... Again, how big is this fucking locker? It's at least three feet deep. It is a good four to five feet tall, and it's a good three to four foot wide. It is angled. It is anyone that walks down the street sees it and goes, what the hell is that thing? And then they realize that there's no, you know, it's a thumbprint lock. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, Wendell. And then you slick your hair back, and you put your glasses on, and you look like Aldrich Killian again. And it's, (laughs) god damn it, make me very angry. Now, keep in mind. Keep in mind, he's going through all these gyrations to get mm-hmm. changed, right? Whereas in issue number three, he just did a Firestar wham, <laughs> he's changed. Firestar! Exactly! Exactly. I, uh, moving on! <laughs> uh, as he arrives in his office, Kayla, looking like she did her clothes shopping on the Miami Vice set, jumps up and tells Wendell that they have a client. Here we find that Mark Gruenwald is a Star Trek fan, as the company is International Data and Control, or EDIC. Mm-hmm. Wendell confirms an appointment for later that afternoon and goes to check in on Eon. He finds his dad's astral form sitting and chatting with the cosmic being. After some forced small talk, where we get the, oh, I am so sad to not have my father's love <sighs> stuff, where we learn that Eon feeds on the background radiation of the big and bang. that was pretty cool Wendell you know leaves. that's a little bit of a yeah. sciencey go ahead yeah i mean he's the embodiment of the life force of the universe so it makes sense that he would be able to feed on the sure. universe sure now okay. before you move to the next page let's take a look at this ad yes. to the left here this ah, is yes. go head-to-head wireless with nintendo's double player wireless head-to-head systems for acclaim gene let me describe to you the two young fellas <laughs> now, at first, I want you listeners to think of what you think a gamer looks like, a video gamer. We all play video games, I assume, but 
think about what you look like and then think about what somebody who is a true gamer might look like. Perhaps unshaven, perhaps unbathed, perhaps a little pasty, maybe uh, an internet troll. Well, these two kids are the epitome of yuppie scum. All right, <laughs> perfectly done and blow-dried hair, shaved, clean as a baby's bottom. They're each wearing pastel button-up-the-front shirts, no tie. But then they've got you know the the traditional um, you know back in the um, uh, back in the day you know collegiate. Uh, sweaters on one is a uh, light blue powder puff blue if you will and the other one is a nice yellow so they're wearing you know the yuppie frat boy sweaters from back in the day and button up the front pastel shirts and they're looking glaring menacingly each at each other like two boxers ready to go down and talk of me about being out of touch with your audience or at the very least what your audience will become and Yes. I had to make note of that because, like everything else in this world, it made me very angry. <laughs> uh, okay. We move on to later that afternoon in South Jersey, where this would end up, I have no idea, where Creel has landed at a factory where they smelt adamantium. <laughs> After being... <laughs> so there's a factory, there's a company that's all they do is smell adamantium. And it's in South Jersey. And it's in Jersey. South Jersey because... These people don't know anything about South yeah. Jersey, do so, they? So, all right. Firstly, South Jersey, which is where Gene and I live, is a piece of shit. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But and, uh, that, that assumes that there's an entire industry surrounding adamantium. And if adamantium being the strongest metal on the planet, wouldn't that be worth more than gold? And wouldn't that be something that would be attacked all the time? You would yeah. think. Right? Yeah, and they have three security guards. Three, and only three. Three, <laughs> wearing and uh, wearing khaki pants, jackets, and uh, well, they have pistols. They have revolvers. Yes, because that's going to help against the absorbing Correct. man, or and or any other super powered being like I don't know. Ultron, who might try and steal Adamantium. Right, exactly. Oh, and speaking of Ultron, this is something we're going to talk about at the next Comic Book Fight Club. But in the last Comic Book Fight Club, or one of the previous ones, we talked about how, you know, could a lightsaber cut through Wolverine's claws? And that was a topic that was just as ridiculous as everything else we talked about. But it was determined <laughs> that, <clears throat> and it was said very eloquently, was fucking made out of metal, and metal melts. So it doesn't fucking matter what kind of metal it is. Enough heat and it'll melt. And uh, that was accepted as fact at the time. And I have come to a new conclusion, and that is this. If adamantium was easily melted, then every time Ultron popped his ugly head up, it would just be a quick phone call over to 4 Freedom Plaza. Hey, can Johnny Storm come out and play? And we'll just goddamn melt down Ultron. No muss, no fuss, it's over. So I believe that the process of processing adamantium is easier than just adding heat. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's more more than just one yeah, step Exactly, there. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, that, that's all I wanted to say. So they're at the South Jersey bullshit adamantium processing facility. All right, I'm on board with that. What happens next? Okay. Well, Creel beats up the three security guards, makes his way inside, and gets himself a lucky charm. 
More on that later. Uh, meanwhile, at Edic, Wendell is meeting with Mr. Kuramoto, who is the operations manager. He gives Wendell a tour where he meets up with Ken Tanaka, a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who was placed there undercover before S.H.I.E.L.D. folded. Okay, let's pause there. I remember back in the 70s, S.H.I.E.L.D. basically getting corrupted from the inside and having to go away. Did that happen again in the 80s, or is S.H.I.E.L.D. still folded? I think S.H.I.E.L.D. folds on a fairly regular basis. That seems to be a reoccurring ah. storyline, just like Ragnarok in the Thor comics, just like the Xavier Center being plowed under by the Juggernaut. It's just, you know, every, let's say, once a decade, it's almost mandatory written in the Marvel Bible that these things have to happen. Okay. All right. So, apparently, that was this decade's shield going That's under. my understanding, and if somebody out there has information to the contrary, I want to hear it. Okay. So, the two classmates catch up until Wendell gets a call from Captain America, asking that Quasar check in on the plant break-in that was reported from, uh, I guess, one of the three security guards. Wendell makes his excuses, which involve bad lunch, and runs into an, an alley and changes to Quasar. Now, here's my question yeah. to you. Is this the alley, or is this another <laughs> alley? I think... I think this is... How many lockers does he have? Well, I'm going to say that this is a generic alley, and then he runs around the corner, firestorms, and then comes out. That's what I think has happened. Uh, but okay. more importantly, he spends a considerable amount of time in the comics bellyaching about how he doesn't have any money. He's starting this business. He gets a Fortune 500 company to, to offer him a, a, a position, offer him a contracting job. I don't know about you, Gene, but I, I, I run my own business. There is a sales mm -hmm. component. There are uh, large numbers on the line. When I'm with a client, I do not have my cell phone on. And if my <laughs> cell phone goes off, I say, oh, excuse me, and I just immediately hit the hang-up button. I turn it upside down and make sure it's on vibrate because I don't care. If there's that much money on the line and it's my livelihood, I don't pick up. And... I apologize for saying this ahead of time, but fuck you, Cap, all right? <laughs> An emergency call from Adamentco, the Admantium Manufacturing Plant in New Jersey. Carl Creel, alias the Absorbing Man, has been reported on the grounds. All right, really reported on the grounds? Go take care of it yourself. I'm busy. You shouldn't have picked up in the, <laughs> shouldn't have picked up in the first place. I'm up to my eyeballs trying to get things settled here. Think you can handle it. So <clears throat> he's not busy. He's not fighting the Red Skull. He's just up to his eyeballs with getting things settled at the base that's <laughs> apparently already settled down at the bottom of the Hudson River. So they, you aren't doing anything more important that you can't get on your little cap cycle and scooter your way down the parkway to get to South Jersey, my opinion. And another thing I was thinking about is Wendell Vaughn has an in here. He had, this is somebody that he went to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy mm -hmm. with, is one of the guys that is basically said, hey, you got to hire yes. this guy. Okay, get a, at least a preliminary contract mm -hmm. done. I'm sure he's got his briefcase under mm -hmm. his cape. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh, I wish 
the people at home hadn't read this comic book and can see the visual because Gene, that is perfect. Under my case, <laughs> in my briefcase. <laughs> Don't look Just at my briefcase get... while I'm opening it up. Oy. Just get them to sign a preliminary evaluation contract. You got a 90-day window. Pay us this much retainer. We'll work up a security system for you. There are approvals, checks, etc. Get the guy to sign it, then beat feet exactly. to South Jersey. God damn it. <laughs> the, the differences between reading it as a teenager and reading it as right, an exactly. adult. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Quasar flies to the plant and finds out what happened. He then tracks Creel by looking for the radar image of a flying man-sized object, which I thought was actually pretty clever. Sure, sure. Uh, Quasar catch-up. Oh, and, and did we, Quasar, did we, did we pass what? the fact that the security guards didn't recognize him and insist to see ID because, oh, well, why haven't I heard of you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, kind of clever. So, like, we're making fun of some things, yeah. but we got to give him credit because, you know, why would these guys have heard of Quasar? He is a D-lister. Right. And the Avengers identification card. Don't leave. Home I still have it. mine in my wallet. <laughs> I can make up copies. I have the nice. PDF file. <laughs> uh, so he catches up with Creel and tricks him into absorbing his quantum energy, and then places him in a bubble because Quasar can adjust his bubble to maintain that quantum energy mm -hmm. inside it. Now this is where I have my mm -hmm. question. Creel pulls out a chunk of adamantium and then changes it to his form to adamantium and breaks free. Now, if you look at the image, when he absorbs being absorbs the quantum energy, he everything turns into quantum energy. How how does he still have a pocket to have the adamantium in, and how does it stay there? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean. This is the time that I would normally go off on a rant about Germans. Uh, but yeah. let's say that, okay, so he's quantum energy, and you know we've established that the quantum constructs are made out of that energy, but they have physical properties, yes? So he yes. is now essentially a quantum construct made out of that quantum energy, and it has a physical property. So he still has the piece of admantium in the quantum pocket. Okay. Did I sound smart All right. for a second? Your... Your no prize is in the mail. <laughs> My no prize? Is that a former <laughs> reference? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Makes me very happy. Uh, so there's a bunch of Fighting McFightenstein, copyright Hey Kids <laughs> comics, and eventually Creel wraps his chain around Quasar's wrist, absorbing the power of the quantum bands and grows to giant size. And during the Fighting McFightenstein, uh, Quasar continues to be, you know, Mama's good little boy and is very polite and continues to refer to Crusher as sir. And, you know, sir, you might have beaten a lot of people, but, you know, it's time that what's going to happen next? You know, he's uh, <clears throat> he's very, very polite. And he tries to do a little psychoanalysis to, to talk uh, some sense into Crusher Creel. <laughs> yeah, he's basically trying to say, OK, well, what what would make you happy? <laughs> <laughs> Define okay, happiness uh... for you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the the absorbing man is now giant. He now has the full power of the quantum bands at his disposal. Mm -hmm. Quasar tries to convince him to let go of the power, 
but obviously Creel doesn't mm-hmm. listen. Finally, Quasar's had enough of it, and he pumps as much quantum energy into Creel as possible, making him overload and implodes him, just as all the other non-cosmic protectors have done that have worn the quantum bands. Right, and he's in this, he's, you know, going a little bit back and forth, do I do this, do I not do this, Uh, but he's concerned, you know, the the absorbing man is flying towards New York, he's going to explode, he's going to kill all of those people, um, and he starts to justify it to himself that, um, you know, it's either I do it or everyone's going to die. Um, and it's just, um, but it, it's, it's a real short, it's a real short mental discussion he has with himself. You know, he, he says, all right, I'm just going to kill this guy. And it's his part. Um, <clears throat> he imploded like the two guys who wore these wristbands before me. I feel like it's my fault. Well, no shit, dipshit. It is your fault. <laughs> no, it's his fault. I warned him and I did what I had to do for the good of the many. Well, you have to remember, he is at heart a S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. agent. So he has been trained to shoot That's people. True. So it's, you know, one life for millions. Yeah, I get it. So I get it, it, but it seems like it was, you know, a very, very short moral jump. Well, it's also, that that comes back into the shoehorning. Uh, let, let me, I got two sentences left, let's wrap this up, then we'll get back to that. All right, all that's left of the Absorbing Man is his ball and chain, which Quasar takes to Captain America. Cap tells Quasar not to be sh- too sure that Creel is really dead, considering some of the things he's survived in mm-hmm. the past. Now, back to shoehorning. I think, like we said, this was, everybody's got to do acts of vengeance. Mark Gruenwald's like, God damn it, I don't want right. to. So he, I, what I think he did is he backed into it. I think he said, okay, who can I do something real quick? Well, what if I get the Absorbing Man, and we get him to get the wristbands, and then he implodes because I've already set up that if you aren't the chosen person and you have this power, you implode. Well, that's... So I, I think he worked backward from, I want it to be real quick and out of the way, and that's where the absorbing man mm-hmm. came from. And it is something really clever. I, I, I wish there was more time devoted to this, you know, to Crusher getting the powers, because it, it was really cool. I mean, he... He was filled with power, and he grows to 50 feet tall, and, you know, he starts to monologue a bit about how much power he's got, and then he instantly learns how to shoot quantum blasts from, you know, his person. But all in all, we've got one, two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal on that page, so three, (laughs) four, we've got essentially four pages of Crusher with the quantum powers before he explodes. Yeah, and it's it's just quick. You know, it's it's a little too quick for my taste, but you actually, if... I don't remember precisely when it is, but I know, obviously, the Absorbing Man comes mm-hmm. back. Spoilers. And he ends up at one point in the Thor comic with uh, Eric Masterson in control of the Thor mm-hmm. persona. And Masterson has no idea how to deal with this guy. And eventually says, you know, I, that's it. I got to get out of here. And creates like a, uh, he hits him with lightning or something. And then absorbs the lightning into the hammer. You know, 
So Creel absorbs the lightning. Masterson pulls the lightning into the hammer. The hammer can't hold it, shoots it up into the sky, and Creel basically crawls back to Earth and is mm-hmm. knocked out. And people are, oh, that was a great idea. And Masterson's like, That's, I panicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it's, and it's another thing. You have this guy with, he's got, Loki imbued this guy with Asgardian power. And he gets beaten in one issue instances. You know, you'd think it would last a couple issues at least. Right. He he is the epitome of a punk. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I just... Uh, it was a disappointing issue, but still worth talking about in the continuity oh, yeah. and we're on to bigger and better days because they'll flush out Quasar and he will become one of the better comics uh, one of the better characters in the Marvel Universe just no one will ever read his comics except for us <laughs> uh, yeah except that uh, it doesn't get any better next issue what is next year, issue anyway next issue Quasar number 6 Acts of Vengeance continues oh good Yay! Mayhem on the moon. We not only have the Watcher, we have the Living Laser, the Red Ghost, and because is a blatant cash grab, Venom. Really? Really. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be one of those. (laughs) You got to get through it. You got to get through it to get the uh, burnt alien. (laughs) It... It's one of the one of the things about Quasar is it really starts to pick up when he gets his third costume. Yeah, yeah, really. I agree. It, it, the, this is the first costume. I I consider this one and the Marvel Boy version to be the same costume because they're essentially the same thing, just slightly different I agree. design. So then you have his um, cool '90s. I've got a mask, but my hair shows uh-huh. costume. Which is where he dies the first time. Right, has time. his arms cut off. And it, right, and then when he comes back, he gets his third costume and his uh, poofy hair. <laughs> oh, his twink <laughs> incarnation. But the storylines yes. were good. That, that's when the storylines really pick up. That's when he starts going a lot more yep. cosmic. That's where um, Makari from the Eternals mm-hmm. comes in as the, the wisecracking sidekick. Mm-hmm. And I, that's where it really starts to, to get into some really good storylines, but we got to get through the living laser venom and the red mm-hmm. ghost first. Yeah. And, and speaking of the, uh, the time he dies the first time and his hands get cut off. Spoiler too late. <laughs> um, I was listening to another podcast by some other guys that were doing their best to talk about the infinity gauntlet. Uh, ah. I appreciate the effort. They get an E for effort, but goddamn, I was getting angry listening to them because Clearly, clearly they were getting laid more than I was in high school, and so didn't have <laughs> effort to be able to put into, didn't you know, remember it as 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 well as I did. Anyway, so we should firstly we should do a special quantum uh, quantum cast special on the Infinity Gauntlet. But secondly, oh, they make yes. note of Quasar, and when Thanos cuts off Quasar's hand, and half of them didn't even know who Quasar was, and. The ones that did know who Quasar was were like, well, I don't know what he means by that when he says not again after Thanos cuts off his hands. And I'm like, you assholes! Quasar! <laughs> and um, uh, anyway, so 
I, I do agree with you. This is when he dies the first time. He gets his hands cut off. Um, then somewhere between there and uh, the Twink incarnation is the Infinity Gauntlet. And when that happens, we should do a special Infinity Gauntlet um, roundtable discussion. Oh, yeah. I, I would really yeah. enjoy that. Because that's, that's something I have not read that in at least 10 yeah. years. Yeah, it's been a wow. while. Yeah, that was... Uh, you know, talk about willing suspension of disbelief. I remember first reading it when I was a teenager, and you know, Thor or Eric Masterson in Thor's body is mm. flying over the um, uh, where the Japanese island should be, but they're no longer there because of you know some of the um, uh, unnatural weather and geological events that were happening during that. And he's like, and the the Japanese islands are no more. And I I got all goosebumpy, and I had to you know I like took myself out of the, the never-ending story like Sebastian and had to take a deep breath because I had really, you know, it was so well-written that it gets you into it and you are, are truly immersed in the storyline. All right, well, I think that's all we got on this issue. So it was a quick one, but I think I think next time will be too, but we'll, we'll see that when right. we get there. And, uh, you know, we should probably talk about the upcoming comic book Fight Club, don't you think? Ah, uh, yes, we should. Yes, we should. Here we go. Tag Team Spectacular. All right. We have G.I. Joe, the comic book version. All right. The people that can actually hit things. Versus the Nick Fury Agents of mm -hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. We have the Xenomorphs from Alien. Versus the Fighting 501st, Vader's mm, Fist. Nice. And the main event, we have the Suicide Squad, Task Force X version, versus the A-Team. Nice. Man, that is a great, that's going to be a great one. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have some opinions on that. If you would yes. like to share your opinion on this before we cut, because once we cut, it goes into the record book. We can't change it. If we decide that the A-Team wins... And then you have this great argument as to why they wouldn't win. Well, tough shit, because we didn't hear it before it went into the record book. So you've got to pick. And as you as you know, we did read our uh, e the one email we got for the last episode uh, from Zeb Oswalt as we were going through the matchups. So we do mm -hmm. listen. We don't necessarily pay attention, but we do listen. Yeah, absolutely. So. Write in, tell us what you think of those lineups, and when we record this at some point this month, we will be able to incorporate your opinions into the podcast. I'm not going to say that we're going to listen to what you have to say. I'm not going to say we're going to agree with what you have to say, but if your voice isn't heard, then tough shit. <laughs> you have no one to blame exactly. but yourself. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up there, and we will see you next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. You can find us on the web at quantumbands.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Quantum Bands. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.